great and mighty God, you are my Savior. You're our healer. You're our deliverer. You are our shield and our defense. You are our strong tower. You're our best friend. Oh, God, you are the great deliverer in our life. Oh, man, no man knows, oh, God, oh, God, the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of your will and your way. Hallelujah. But you, O oh God, have, have shown us, O oh God, your mercy. You've given us your power and your glory. You've given us dominion, O oh God. You've given us uh, your power to exercise on this earth, O oh God. Oh, Father, my God, great is you. Are great is your faithfulness and your mercy. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that you have prepared for us that love you today. Oh, God, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving right now. We give you thanks, oh, God, for a clear mind and a clear conscience. We thank you, God, for the gift of repentance today. We thank you, God, that yet though we fail you, God, we can turn to you, God. Oh, God, and we can lift up our thing, our need before you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for your blood, hallelujah, that you shed. We thank you for your name that was called over us. Father, we thank you, Father. We thank you for one another tonight. We thank you for the body of Christ tonight. We thank you for the souls in this city that we have yet to reach. We thank you for the burden that you've laid upon our hearts God, we thank you, we thank you, and we praise you, we love you, we worship you, we honor you, we adore you, Father. Hallelujah. There's no other God like my God right now or ever. In the name of Jesus, mighty God, mighty God, we need you to have your way, oh God. We need your will to be done. We need your kingdom to come right now in this place tonight. And your will to be done, oh God, in us and through us, oh God, as your vessels tonight. Oh God, we need you to have your way. I'm so glad, oh God, that you found me, Lord Jesus, and you pulled me out of the miry clay. You pulled me out of the pit. For, oh God, you dug me out, oh God, and you saved me and delivered me, oh God, from all of my fears and all of, all of the things, oh God, that had me bound. You delivered me, God. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful. Hallelujah. Well, falling in love. With Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever, ever done. In His arms I feel protected. In his arms never disconnected. In his arms I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather, rather be. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. 
falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. I hope and pray you feel that way. I hope and pray you feel that way. And I don't, I don't know about you. I don't ever want to stop falling in love with him, Sister Bell, ever. You know, the Bible says that the reason we can love him, why is that? Because he first loved us and he gave himself. He didn't just love us. He gave himself for us. You know, the great I am, he wasn't even called father in the very beginning. I don't think through the whole Old Testament he was called father. So I think he had to give himself a title that we could relate to, a father that could love us. He's more than just a father. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. He's, he's, he's the I am, the self-existent one. Amen. And so he loved us enough that he gave us a way to relate to him. And he called us his sons. It's just awesome. <laughs> Father knows best. He really does know best. He really does. He really knows best. No matter what I've had to go through, he always knows best. He knows what I need. The Bible says he knows what we have need of even before we ask. And I believe some stuff he knows we have need of that we would never ask for. (laughs) But he sends it our way anyway. Because he knows we need that. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be perfected. I don't ever want God to say that he's done working on me. Do you? I don't ever want him to be done working on me. And I seriously doubt he's ever going to be done (laughs) working on any of us until the rapture. Thank God that he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Whatever, Whatever that is, that's... That's what he, he already knows what our destiny is. He already knows what we're capable of doing. So I want to, what he already knows, I want to go wherever that is. I want to get to that place where he sees me at, not where I see me at. Praise God. So good to have everybody here tonight, especially to have the presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. And I don't, I, well, I, I, I put him before all of you. I'm sorry. I just do. That's just the way it is. Amen. But sure, I'm sure you don't mind since you all put him before me in, as well. So it's all good. It all works out. Amen. He is the first and foremost in my life. With, where would I be? Where would any of us be if it wasn't for the Lord? And if you just sit there and think about it for a couple minutes, you, you could think of a, I, I know me, I could think of about ten different places I would be right now if it wasn't for the Lord. And it wouldn't be anywhere near a building called a church. But he saved me and delivered me. Hallelujah, Jesus. We've been talking about being laborers together with God. Let's read that key scripture that we've been reading for these last few weeks. If my awesome booth person can put that up, thank you. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as 
unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. There you go. Father knows best. He knows even through the Apostle Paul. He knew what the people needed, what they could handle and what they couldn't handle. Neither yet now are ye able. Why is that? For ye are yet carnal. There's the reason. For whereas there is among you, here's where, here's where he's telling them how they're carnal. Envying and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? That doesn't happen to any of us, does it? You don't have to answer that. For while one saith, you can answer it to yourself. You don't have to answer it out loud. I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? We're men just like you. We're human beings just like you. And we're just ministers by whom ye believe. God just sent us as ministers. It could have been somebody else with some other name. But God sent Paul and Apollos. Even as the Lord gave to every man. Every one of you is capable of doing just what I and Apollos did. We're not special. We're not elevated. We're not uplifted up above everybody else. It's not ministry laity. <laughs> they didn't have that. I have planted. Yeah, Paul acknowledges, yeah. I planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So that's what it's really all about, isn't it? God's will, God's plan, God's purpose. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. One person that watereth and one that plants, no, no more important than the other. All are needed. And so, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. We're all heading toward the same goal, aren't we? Besides heaven. Trying to find the will of God. We're all trying to get to heaven. I get that. I am too. But we're all trying to find the will of God right now while we're walking around on this earth. What am I supposed to be doing while I wait for you to take me to be with you in heaven? Every man shall receive of his own, his own reward according to his own labor. For ye are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. And so we've been talking about a lot of things these last few weeks. About being laborers together with God. It's a joint venture. He can't do it without us. And we can't do it without Him. That's true. He needs human agency. That's the way He set it up. From the very beginning. From Abraham to Noah. We could go on and on. Joseph and and all the Mordecai and all these people that we read about in the Bible, they were all there at that point in time for a purpose and for a reason that God put them there. And so are we. Everybody in this room, everybody within the sound of my voice has a purpose and a reason for being in the kingdom. And it is not to sit on a church pew. Sorry if to pop your bubble. <laughs> it is not. Well, I'm older now. That doesn't matter. (laughs) 
It doesn't matter. I'll, let me introduce you to some home missionaries that are in their upper 70s. I hate to keep bringing that up, but God can do anything with anybody if they just make themselves available. He decides when we're done. Right? Is that true? There you go. So he needs human agency. We talked about that. He needs us to be ministers. And I, the Greek word ministers, we went and we looked in the Greek and it said that it means to, in the dust laboring. Remember, man, that you are dust. We're all dust. So that means all those people out there, those 51,000 people in lacrosse are dust. So he wants us to be ministers. He wants us to be out there in the dust laboring. Laboring for what? For his kingdom. Some of the the disciples were fighting and arguing over who was going to be top dog in the kingdom. He said, if you want to be first in the kingdom, what did Jesus tell them? You need to be the servants or the ministers of all. You gotta serve your fellow man, not just your fellow apostolics. Your fellow man. You gotta love people. And I'm, I'm not bragging, but we just had a light dinner over here at Subway and we just started talking to this lady and her son behind us. Never met him before. Probably never see him again. But that's what it's gonna take. We can't be afraid to just now, we didn't teach them a Bible study in line at Subway. But we ministered to them. We just loved them. I know. I know they felt the love of Jesus. I just know they did because that was my goal to turn around and talk to them. Was to, I prayed, and as I was doing that, Lord, let them feel you and not me. We just never know. I could have just stood there and mind my own business with my hands in my pockets and said nothing. But that's not what he sent me out there to do. Was it comfortable? Depends on who you are, I guess. I don't have a problem talking to people. And Lord, if you'd have known me 30 years ago, <laughs> the only reason I sounded off in boot camp was because they made me do it. Because <laughs> I was not that kind of guy. I didn't want to talk to anybody. But God put something in me. And that's how you do it. You don't know who you're, you don't know what they're thinking when they walk away. Man, did you feel that? I don't, I don't know. Did you feel that? I want them to say that. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on him. So he wants us to be ministers to our fellow men. And we talked about being on a co-mission with him. The great co-mission. He still needs us here to do it. The 3,000 had to turn around and baptize each other on the day of Pentecost. It would have taken weeks if just those 12 guys did it. And so then what did they do after that? They didn't, they didn't go to Bible college. They went right out and started winning their neighbors. And the Lord added to the church because they got busy about their father's business. So... And we talked about we have to be active participants and not passive observers. We can't just sit back and point our fingers and say, somebody else needs to go do that. I've done my time. 
Like, I did my telling the boss, I'm going home. Well, I need you to stay over. Well, I did my eight. I'm going home. That's not going to get you very far on the job, is it? That boss can't depend on you to stay a little late here and there. I hated the fact that I had to do that last Wednesday, but I did what I had to do. And I still got to view the service. Hallelujah. Thank God for Internet, for technology. God's using it to reach people all over the world. And he told us he needed us to go out and not stay in. We talked about how he needed us to not attend church, but to be the church. The church is not a, it's an organism. It's a living, breathing thing. It's not a, it's not a, a building. Even though he says we are his building, we are his, he's talking about us, not this, not an edifice. He needs our obedience. We talked about in our submission to his will. If you want to try to do it your way, go ahead. But you're going to frustrate yourself. Just because it says that we are laborers together with him doesn't mean that we can just launch out on our own and just go do our own thing and say, God bless this. That's not how it works. Because we talked about as a laborer together with him, he's really the one in charge. Yes, Lord. What did Jesus? Jesus is, is our example. He didn't, he said he didn't do anything except his father told him to say it or do it. Whatever the Father says to do. Are we doing that? Are we asking, what do you want me to do today, God? Just, you know, get up and pray. God, clothe me with, with all of those, that armor that I need and, and make me to be your vessel. Make me to be whatever it is you want me to be today. I submit my will to your will. Do we pray that? Or do we say, I'm going to give you X amount of time, and then after that, I'm on my own. The rest of the day is mine. So he said we're, we're to seek his kingdom. We talked about that. I'm just kind of going over what we've talked about already, and I'll get into what we're going to talk about today. He needs us to be faithful, and he needs us to be prayerful. The disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. And he told us how to pray. And it wasn't a prayer to be repeated. It was a principle of how to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, not mine. Yours. Give us daily what we need. You can't ask for tomorrow. It's not here yet. And Yesterday's gone. Just give us daily what we need. Provision. Not just bread. Everything. When I pray that prayer, I ask God to give provision to the home missionaries and to the foreign missionaries and to the pastors. Give them what they need. Give them finances and give them favor with city governments and local governments. Give them buildings. Give them whatever they need. Cars, whatever. Saints. Give them what they need today, God. He really needs us to pray. We talked about uh, Paul talking in, in the book of Acts chapter 28 where he's talking about 
Jesus told him, he said, you're going to turn, turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. How's he going to do that? How do we do that? How do we do that? Somebody. It's a question. <laughs> Prayer. Prayer. We got to do battle for them in prayer. Anybody ever heard of standing in the gap? Making up the hedge? To those people out there that are lost, did you, when you were lost, know that you needed prayer? Did you even know that you needed to pray for yourself? No. You thought you were fine. And so that's what Jesus was telling Paul. And that's what he's telling us. If we're going to turn them from dark, they're, they're in darkness out there. And it's, I mean, it's gross darkness nowadays. I mean, they're just bombarded with everything. I don't even want to get into all of it, but they're being, people's minds are being bombarded with all kinds of stuff like we never seen before. And it, all, so much the more as you see the day approaching, we need to really pray and take authority over these demons and over these mindsets and over all these strongholds that have people bound. Cause I'll never forget the day, Brother Becker, when I, my eyes were open and I saw I needed him. And I, to this day, don't know who was praying for me, but I guarantee you, somebody was. And who knows, somebody had might have been praying for me for 30 years. I don't know. But the time came, just like Cornelius, the time came where those prayers came up for a memorial, and God said, okay, it's his turn. I'm going to give him a chance. And I made my decision. I made my choice. I saw the door open, and I went for it. So our prayers need to be effectual, persistent, and fervent. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. Don't give up. Don't quit. And he told us we needed to be planters and waterers. He that plants, nobody special. And he that waters is nobody special. But in essence, they everybody is a planter, potentially. Everybody's a waterer. So be really good at it if you're one of those. Since you are one of those at one point or another, you never know if you're planting or watering. Just be good at it all the time. Seek his will. Who do I need to, who am I going to cross paths with today? God, give me what to say. You don't have to think of it all yourself. He said, he told them, when you go before the magistrates or whatever, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll give you what to say. He'll do that all the time. And you know, if you just, if you're in this word all the time, it's in there. It's, <laughs> it'll come out when you need it. I'll never forget, we were standing on the seventh floor of our quarters in Okinawa on Camp Kinzer. And we were trying to meet the lady next door and her kids. And I, I was a new convert. She came to the door for some reason, and I just kind of went right into a Bible study right there. And when it was all said and done, I turned around. My wife's going, where did that come from? I don't know. I really didn't know. I wasn't a Bible scholar, but God just made that happen. I just let him do it. He said, shut up. Right? He will tell you, okay, that's enough. Don't wear out the saints. 
<laughs> Am I right? So Brother Bibi was here last Wednesday, and right down toward the end of his message, he used a term when he was kind of closing out his message, and he said that we all need to be this. Anybody remember? What, what was it? Ambassadors. And when he said that, what he didn't know is that last Wednesday, or the Wednesday before that on my way here, I'm going, okay, God, what do you want me to say? The next, because I knew he had me up here. And on the way here, the Wednesday that I taught last, that's the word he gave me. I said, okay, I plugged, I plugged that in and forgot about it until last Wednesday. <laughs> I said, okay, all right, I'll go with that. So God has a way of confirming things. Not just me, you, anybody. He will. Let's get into this. Second Corinthians 5, 19 through verse 6, chapter 1. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us, who's us? That's us? That's us. The word of reconciliation. Now then, we are, what does it say? Ambassadors for who? Not just ambassadors, but ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. We pray in Christ's stead, you be reconciled to God. For he that hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, there's that workers together again, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't just receive the grace of God into your life and then just stick it in your pocket and don't do anything with it. Don't receive it in vain. God called us and He chose us and He sent us back out to take this to the world as ambassadors. He said, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. So, Ephesians 6, 19 through 20 says, And for me that utterance may be given unto me, Paul asking for prayer, that I may open my mouth boldly. Should we be praying this every day? God, give me boldness to say what I need to say, that utterance may be given to me, not my words. God, give me the words to say. To make known the mystery of the gospel. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Just listen to the Holy Ghost, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. Paul was not his own. He was bought with a price. In one part, in one scripture, Paul said that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And I believe right there it says something about that it was foreordained that we should walk in them. Those good works, not our good works, but his good works through us. So what actually is an ambassador? Anybody? Right. Anybody else? Ambassador. All right, Sister Bell. Come up here. 
<laughs> Teach the rest of the class. No, I'm kidding. You could do it. You could do it. Woo. Hallelujah. Dictionary.com says an ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by one sovereign or state to another as a resident representative. A diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a government to represent it on a temporary mission as for negotiating a treaty. Aren't we here on a temporary mission, Brother Parker? We're, we're pilgrims. We're not, we're not here permanently. A diplomatic official serving as a permanent head of a country's mission to the United Nations, blah, 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 blah. An authorized messenger or representative. Every one of us in this room is that right there. Synonyms to that, the word diplomat, are agent, emissary, minister, envoy. So in our case, we're representing the kingdom of God and and He is our Creator and Savior, and so it behooves us, does it not, to represent the kingdom well. As an ambassador, who, who, would, who, who would like to be an ambassador in here? If, if you had the chance to, to a foreign country, where would, you, where would you go? Where would you go? What country? Somewhere in Africa. So as an ambassador, an official emissary for the U.S. government, as an ambassador, there's a lot on your shoulders. You have to be diplomatic. You have to, you have to be friendly. You have, because you're gonna, you're not just gonna go over there as a diplomat, as a, as an ambassador, as an emissary and just sit in the embassy every day. Are you? No. <laughs> I'm here if y'all need a, that's not how it works. You're out in the community. You're touching the lives of people. You're representing this country. So in our case, as an ambassador, we're representing the kingdom. Now, if you're a knucklehead and you're, you're an ambassador, you get appointed as an ambassador and you go over there and start doing dumb stuff and embarrassing yourself and embarrassing our country, what's going to happen? <laughs> And they'll appoint somebody else. <laughs> because why? You're being a bad representative. You're not representing our gun, our country and what we stand for. So, in light of that, if we're out there in this world, right here in Lacrosse at Walmart or Wendy's or Sam's or wherever we are, are we representing the kingdom? Ask yourself, is what I'm saying, is what I'm doing, are people looking at me going, man, there's something different about that one? Or are they saying, I don't want nothing to do with that? That's what that Christianity is. Keep me away from it. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just saying. How are we representatives and ambassadors for Christ in our society and our community today?
Amen? Yeah, we are His laborers together with Him, but we really are at His beck and call. And, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that I believe it's in Psalms, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And I I preached that to my kids until I was blue in the face. But I, I felt like it was important. Back home and where I'm from, the, the name Demuth has, it means, it, it. if you talk to people, ask my wife, she's not from there. It just drove her nuts. Everywhere she'd go, she, somebody knew my dad or my uncles. But they always had good things to say about my family. And I would tell my sons, we need to keep perpetuating that. I want, I don't want them to have negative things to say about that name that I wear in the natural. And don't we wear a name? I want them to say good things about Jesus. Now I know everybody's not going to have good things to say about Jesus. Right? They're not. Some people are going to spit in your face. Some people are not going to like you talking about Jesus. I get that. But that just comes with the territory. But that doesn't mean that you pull back and just don't be a representative and don't be an ambassador. You're still an ambassador. That ambassador for our country and that nation, everybody's not going to like that guy or that woman. Some people are not going to like them a whole lot. But they're not there for that. They're not there to be liked. I want them to see Jesus in me. Yes, it's uncomfortable to talk to somebody in a restaurant that you don't know. But you know what? If, if you do it enough times, it starts getting, I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but it starts getting easier. And you don't have to wow them with all of your prowess of whatever you, it is you know. You just strike up a conversation. How are you doing today? You know, she, it was a woman with her like middle, middle school age son. So my wife started talking about school. You know, it's just, you just kind of break the ice. Never know where that's going to go, but you at least got to try. But before that, you got to at least have, you got to carry yourself in such a way that your actions, before you ever open your mouth, that your actions and everything that they see about you represents the kingdom well. Am I right? So we need to ask ourselves. Every day, every time we go out in public, is what I'm doing, is what I'm saying, is everything about me being a good representative for the kingdom. You, you know, the Bible talks about examining yourself, determine whether you be in the faith or not. It does. And that's not just for when we have communion service. That's every day. That's every moment of every day. It's important how your employer views you as an employee if you're working for somebody. That is one of the hardest working people I ever saw. And I never hear them cuss. I never hear them do anything. I never hear them laugh at the, they notice. Whether they say so or not, they notice. There's a difference. Let's hope they notice a difference. So it's really all about our testimony, isn't it? 
right? Our silent testimony. 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? This is Paul talking to the church. Or need we, as some others, epistles or commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Do we have to prove ourselves to you that we're worthy of you listening to what we're saying? Do we need letters of recommendation from another church in another city so that you'll believe that we're, that what we have to say to you has value? Or do we need letters from you? You know, letters of recommendation are important. When you're trying to apply for a job, it's, it's good that you can get somebody that's, that's in your, your sphere of influence to write you a letter of recommendation and say good things about you that are not just fluff. They're really, what they're saying is really true and you're going to live up to whatever it is they say. He's a hard worker. She's always, always on time and just, just whatever. How many's ever had to have a, a letter of recommendation from somebody? How many have ever had to ask for one? <laughs> they're important. They are important. And in verse 2 it says here, you are epistles. He answers his own question. Paul does. You are epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. They are Paul's letter of recommendation. Those people, those saints in the church at Corinth that he had a hand in winning, he just, just like he said before, I just planted, Apollos watered. Paul, you know, he went around starting these churches, then he would leave and leave it in somebody else's capable hands, and he would move on to the next one. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not in ink, but in the, with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart, is your life as an ambassador, as a fellow Labor as a worker together with God is your life speaking things to people. Does it say, does your life, your walk, your testimony, your silent testimony, that letter, that that unspoken thing about you, does it speak loudly, more loudly than the words you say? You ever, you ever heard the phrase, your, your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying. Anybody ever had that? somebody say that to you in a negative way? (laughs) Hope not. Right? I don't ever want somebody to say, man, your your negative actions are so loud, I can't hear nothing you're saying about Jesus. I don't want to have to say anything, Brother Becker. I just want them to feel the presence and the power of God as I walk in the room. How does that happen? It's called having a prayer life. That's called having a prayer life. Not a prayer hour, but a prayer life. Right? If you're always walking with Jesus, if you're always trying to manifest Him, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, right? Seek, He said, He told us to seek His face, and, and, and in that scripture it says, In thy face, Lord, will I seek. If you're always looking at him, if you're always seeking his face, you're always going to be reflecting him. 
Let the reflection that they see not be you, but be him. So is God writing our story? Is he? Is he leading us and guiding us and ordering our steps? It's a question you need to ask yourself. Are we allowing him to have complete control? And what does that mean? Complete control. There's no Greek. It's complete control. He says he has all say about everything you do in your life. There's a, I don't know if this is scripture, probably not, but if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. What is, what does that mean? He's, if he's not Lord of all, if he's not Lord of every aspect of your life, everything. I mean, he lets us make some decisions, like what we eat for breakfast and just, you know, stuff like that. But in the important stuff, is God really the center of all that you do? Are we letting him be our master? You know, we sing that song, Master, Savior, Prince of Peace. Is he our master, really? Really? If we're his ambassador, we should be his ambassador on his terms and not our terms. Just like we're, even though we're workers to laborers together with him, he's really the one in charge. There's no, there's not two heads unless you're in the yoke. And we go back to that again. And if you're in the yoke, you're following and he's leading. Because what did he say? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Let him lead. That's why he said he'll never give us more than we're able to bear. He'll bear it if we can. That doesn't mean we won't have trouble. It doesn't mean we won't have pain. It doesn't mean we won't have problems in our life. But we know that as long as we're still in the yoke with him, he's got it. He's got it. So how did we become an ambassador? How did we become laborers together with him? This is a silly question, Brother Demuth. Did we choose him? Or did we he choose us? We didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to go find a church and get saved somewhere. We didn't really. Maybe the, the percentage of that is minuscule, people that actually did that. No, God had to lead them. And most people went kicking and screaming until they got to the altar and gave up. Okay, God, I can't do this anymore. You take, take over. And we didn't, we meant that when we said it, but did we really mean it later? <laughs> take over. Oh wait, I'll, I'll take it back now. Now that I've been in church for six months, I'll take some of that back. Do we do that? So he chose us. We've come to that conclusion tonight, right? So we are laborers with him, for him, and by him. 
Doesn't everything exist with him, for him, and by him? And wasn't any wasn't there not anything made that was made that wasn't made by him? And that scripture is talking about Jesus. <laughs> so he made us to be laborers. And how many want to be laborers? I want to be. I want to be. I want to be his labor. And if he went through all of the things that he went through up to and including being nailed to the cross, shouldn't our response whenever he asks us to do anything, shouldn't it be something like, Lord, I'll do anything. Whatever you, whatever you say, I'll do it. Doesn't matter if it makes sense. Doesn't matter if I like it or not. Doesn't matter if it's comfortable or not. You know, you, we've been reading that book, listening to that audio book, when we finally got the right title to. <laughs> What's the name of it? Spiritual Leadership. It was rewritten from like a hundred years ago, right? But you look back at all the history of all these men, even though the ones that weren't apostolic, what is it about all these men? They gave everything. They gave up everything. Right? These old preachers from the 1900s that I read about that uh, went around with one suit and a one white shirt and traveled from city to city by train, and just waited till they got to the next city so they could wash that white shirt and wear it one more time. Didn't know how they were going to get to the next city, but they, when they got an offering, there was just enough there for a bite of food and another train ticket to go to the next city and preach. That is commitment. That is submission. That's obedience. Like the, the story I heard about the preacher where God... He was riding down the road on a bus, and God said, get off the bus right here. And it was in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. Get off the bus right here. Well, bus driver, I need to get off the bus right here. Right here? Right here. There's no bus stop. I need to get off right here. Okay. He got off. He stood there and said, okay, God, I'm off the bus. He said, just start preaching. Okay. Nothing around him. So what did he do? Okay. You're in charge. He started preaching. Well, long story short, there was somebody down underneath the, the viaduct listening to him. God knows what he's doing. He'll send you, he'll tell you to get off the bus to go win one person. In the middle of nowhere, no bus stop, no store, no, no quick trip, nothing. Nothing there. Just woods and deer and whatever. Would we do that? If God told us to go get on a bus, <laughs> would we do that? Sister Linda was talking about Sister Dale Anderson. Just going along through life, single mom, minding her own business, Brother Becker. Just probably had a prayer life, I'm sure, right? You all were hanging around with her. But she didn't think she was anybody. I mean, she knew she was special because she belonged to Jesus. But all of a sudden one day, well, some of us are going to say that one of these days. All of a sudden one day, God said, hey, Dale, I need you to go to Minnesota. What's the name of that city? 
Hibbing. Until she said that, I'd never heard of that. It's not a big city. Nobody's ever heard of Hibbing, Minnesota. <laughs> but God's heard of it. And he went to a 70-year-old, was she over 70? 70-year-old woman who was not a preacher, didn't have a license, had no intention of doing what God asked her to do up until that moment. And God started talking to her about, hey, I need you to go to Hibbing, Minnesota. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, it's kind of interesting that she went and called the district and she did all the right stuff, you know, and isn't it amazing that they were all up on that? Everybody was cool with it. Nobody had, nobody, there was no pushback that I recall her. It was like God went ahead of her and was preparing the way so that there would be no, no resistance. And little did she know that just by obeying God, after all those years of being not not married, that she was not only going to win somebody, but end up marrying the guy and teaching over a hundred Bible studies. And I'm sure there's probably a church, if you look it up, in Hibbing, Minnesota now. I bet that presbyter and that district superintendent's thankful. Because why didn't God send somebody else? Because she was ready. She was willing. He knew. Just like Joseph, after 11 or 12 years of being in prison and being all locked up and everything, God said, okay, now you're ready to be elevated to second in command. Moses had to go out in the desert for 40 years. Okay, Moses, one day in front of a burning bush, now you're ready. And Moses still didn't think he was ready. Did he go? (laughs) We already know the end of that story. So he chose us to be laborers. Right now, today, in 2021, or between now and whenever it was you got saved, he chose you to be laborers. Have we been doing that? And if we haven't, what are we going to do about it? He had to tell me this first, okay? So he's already working on me about it before I ever say anything to you all. But God's in control. He has He has all say-so in my life. It doesn't matter how much my family whines and complains about me not being in Kentucky. That's not what God, the last thing God told me was to come to Wisconsin. And he said, you will go to Wisconsin and you will serve me there. He didn't say in a church. He didn't say in a building. He didn't say what city. He really didn't. He just said, you will go to Wisconsin and you will serve me there. And I had to just accept that whatever that meant, that's what I was going to be doing. For right now, it means right here. But that God might have other plans. I don't know. He does. He's in control. I'm not. So here we are. John 15, verse 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, 
than a man lay down his life for his friends. I love this next statement. You are my friends. But there's a caveat to that. If you do whatsoever, I command you. You just don't get to just be God's friend because you like to be God's friend and he, you just think he ought to make you his friend. There's, 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 there's a condition, a caveat. He, Jesus said it. If you do whatsoever I command you, what is that? What falls under that statement? Anything <laughs> whatsoever he commands us. Could that be anything? Anything. Well, God, I thought I was done. I thought I was too old. I thought I'd never. That's what Sister Anderson said, too. <laughs> she had no idea, Sister Linda, what she was going to do, other than she knew that she could teach Bible studies. So she said, I do know how to do that, so I'm just going to go there and start driving around and wait till God tells me to stop in front of somebody's house and then teach them a Bible study. And that's exactly what she did. Is any of us in this room capable of that? Anybody? 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 Does God care how old you are or how young you are? I was going to get there. <laughs> I think she wants the mic now. <laughs> he doesn't care how young you are. I'll never forget the story. It was must have been in Texas or somewhere or Louisiana. A bunch of young people went to a mall with their youth leader, and they were just, you're listening to this story, and you think, yeah, they're just walking around the mall. Well, somebody in the mall was having a heart attack. And this youth leader had been talking to his young people and teaching them about prayer and, and trusting God to do things through them. And so these young people, without even thinking, they just run over. Everybody's freaking out, calling 911. And what do these young people do? They just run over there and start laying hands on the guy and praying in Jesus' name. Wait a minute. The pastor's not here yet. Right? Well, guess what happened? The guy revived. God healed him. And they were all like, wow, that was awesome. And he was like, yeah, and God can use you like that all the time if you want him to. Just make yourself available. He doesn't care. They didn't have to wait for Lee Stone King or somebody to get there. They, he, You have the same Holy Ghost I have. Same Holy Ghost. Exactly the same. Same measure of faith. God didn't cheat you and give you less than me. It's, and it's his faith anyway, right? Not ours. Because God has dealt to every man... The measure of faith. Where did the faith come from? Him. <laughs> so we're just exercising something he gave us. And he wants us to. <clears throat> Henceforth call you not, I call you not servants, for a servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Is he going to make whatever we need to know known unto us to accomplish his will? Absolutely. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you 
In other words, I have set you apart and placed you uh, out there on my behalf, and I've commissioned you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, and that is, that is as it pertains to the kingdom, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. What fruit is that that he wants us to go out and bring forth? Other people. That your fruit should remain. We gotta be fruit bearers. Yeah, we gotta bear the fruit of the Spirit, but what about those people out there? Aren't they fruit? What did Jesus do in his whole ministry? One person at a time. And this is what Brother Bibi, I think, was alluding to. One person at a time. One person at a time. You go down there to Alexandria and ask them, how did y'all make this church so big? And they'll tell you, one soul at a time. Each one reach one. One soul at a time. You don't have to be, as an ambassador, you, you can only talk to one person at a time anyway, right? And have a, a, a decent conversation. You can't talk to two or three people at once. Anybody ever tried that? You get lost. But you sure can talk to one. And even brother and sister Bibi, when they went over wherever, where, where did they go? There, yes. In Dora. Whatever. They, it starts with one person. They had to meet one person on the street, brother Becker, and strike up a conversation. They, they didn't, they might have eventually preached to a crowd, but Jesus always, was always focused on one, wasn't he? There was always one in the crowd that he was just kind of honing in on. Acts 9, 13 through 16. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many, uh, heard by many of this man how much evil that he had done to thy saints in Jerusalem. Like God didn't know that. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. God, are you sure you want me to do, go talk to him? <laughs> do we say that? Not, not him. <laughs> Send somebody else, God, would you? But what did, what did God say to him? But the Lord said to him, go thy way. Go, what did he mean by that? Go as I, I've commanded you. Go. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You just don't know who God's going to send you to talk to that's going to be the next Paul, the next missionary, the next pastor. You just don't know the next Sunday school. You don't know. We don't know what their life's about. We don't know where they've been today. We don't know what happened if their mom died. We don't know any of that stuff, but... God knows everything, and he knows when exactly to connect us with them for us to speak a word to that person, a word of encouragement, something. First Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, but you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. A peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but now are not, were not a, 
We're not a people, but now are the people of God. We are the people of God. Before, we were just a people. But now that we've been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, we are the people. Did you read that right there? It went from a people to the people. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. There are people out there literally that are dying to hear what we have. They just they just are dying to hear it. They're waiting for somebody to say something. You don't know if what their prayer life you, they might be a Cornelius. They're praying and they're just doing the best they can do. They don't even know how to pray really, but they're just saying, God, if you're there, if you're real, if you're up there, whatever your name is, is there somebody out there praying like that right now while we're sitting here? More than one, probably. A whole bunch of them probably sitting in jail somewhere, some in prison somewhere. You know, they're, they're a tough guy when they're out in front of all the guys, but quietly in their cell, they're, they're mumbling to themselves, God, you get me out of this, I'll do anything. Am I right? Galatians 2 and 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Are we? Are we dead to self? To our will? Nevertheless, I live, Paul said. Yet not I. It's not me that's living, but it's Christ that's living in me. There's one scripture that says we are hid with Christ in God. Kind of like we're hiding behind him so they don't see us, they see him. But Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. We're living this life in the flesh, are we not? I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. All he's really asking us to be is an ambassador to one. Each one reach one. Just be that ambassador. Be that laborer. You don't have to go out and win crowds. Most of us couldn't do that. But we can be really effective and really have a quality situation going on if we just concern ourselves with one individual. Because you know, if you just reach for that one individual, guess what? They got family. They got moms. They got dads. If they're young people, right? They got grandparents. They got brothers and sisters. Maybe not even in this state. Maybe not in this city. This is kind of a transient area between Twin Cities and Chicago. You don't know. You don't know how much, who you're reaching and how it's going to affect somebody else. He's not asking us to be a Bible scholar or a great order. He just wants us to do what he did. Touch one life at a time. As I said before, there was always a crowd around Jesus, but he seemed to always focus in and hone in on one. He was always reaching, always reaching, always. That's what his father was telling him to do. Love them. They'll know we are Christians if we have love one for another, one towards another. That doesn't just mean us in here. We gotta love everybody. I don't, it doesn't matter how they dress. It doesn't matter how many tattoos they have. How many rings they got in their ears and nose and everywhere else. It doesn't matter. 
Those are souls. And that's what you got to tell yourself if, if you need to get past that. You have to remind yourself while you're standing there looking at them because people know when you're looking at them. You ever felt like that, Sister Bell, where you know somebody's staring at you and they're looking at you like you're going, I got something on me, you know? <laughs> I don't want people to feel that. I want them to feel the love of Jesus and no matter what they look like. What does Jesus see? Jesus sees something we don't see. And so I'm just his ambassador. I I represent him. I want to do what he told me to do. And what did he do? He told us in the Great Commission to go into all the world, Brother Becker, and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't think he said that by accident. <laughs> but there's some creatures out there. we got to love them. It's going to be the thing that's going to bring them to a relationship with Jesus Christ is the love that we show them. We're not trying to bring them to join the church. We want them in the church, but before they can get in the church, they got to have a relationship with the one that saved them. After that, the rest of it will come together. Getting them in that relationship is important. Let's all stand. Y'all have to endure one more Wednesday <laughs> with me. Pray for mercy and grace. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you.